When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Time On with Sam Edmund. Yes, good evening, everyone. You're you're into time on on Monday, May 17. I'm Sam Edmund. I hope you've had a great day. If it's been a hectic one, I'm sure it has been. You're just getting in the car, the train, the bus, or, in fact, if you're lucky enough to have just gotten home from work, we're about to bring you up to speed on the latest developments in the AFL and the wider world of sport. This is your one-stop shop for the next hour. And if you haven't had the chance to have your say on something from the weekend that has stayed with you or left an impression on you. The lines are open all show. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. All the temper text 0433981116. You can catch us on Twitter at Time on SEN. But let's start where we always do of a Monday at six o'clock and that is straight to the bulletin board. Well, the IPL contingent have flown in this morning. Finally, from the Maldives, the 38 players and officials will now quarantine in Sydney after fleeing India about a fortnight ago. Jack Miller, well, he's gone back-to-back in the MotoGP, winning the French GP at Le Mans. The Aussie qualified third fastest, but he overcame a time penalty and some wet conditions to grab the chequered flag in France. And it's going to be a double. Two weeks on from his first victory in Ducati Colours, and he's done it again. Q pandemonium. Jack Miller, a brilliant ride in the fast flag-to-flag race that we've had for a few years. Q pandemonium. Lauren Jackson has become the first Australian player to be inducted into the prestigious Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Jackson now joins the likes of Jordan, Kobe, Shaq in the sport's most exclusive group after a career in which he was named WNBA All-Star seven times and WNBA MVP three times, along with two championships with the Seattle Storm. I actually found out um, on Wednesday night, so I just played mixed basketball um, at the stadium here in Albury, and uh, I was having a bit of a whinge about how my body felt after the game, and then I I got the call. So it was was actually, yes, a very welcome surprise. Lauren Jackson with Bob and Andy earlier today on SEN Drive. What about the Premier League? Liverpool's Allison has struck a stunning stoppage time winner against West Brom to keep the Reds' top four hopes alive. The keeper came up for a corner in the 94th minute to power a header into the back of the net to keep the pressure on Chelsea and Leicester. A hero needed in red or maybe black. Make yourself a story. It's Alexander. Oh, it's Allison! Unbelievable! The big Brazilian stopper has only gone and gone forward and scored a header with the last touch of the game. 
A hero in red or black. His teammates are in red, but Allison wearing black, the hero for Liverpool. NBA draft prospect Josh Giddy's been put on ice, released by the Adelaide 36ers in the NBL to prepare for a draft. He could go in the first round in. And staying with the NBA, Steph Curry has become the oldest scoring champion since Michael Jordan in 1998, finishing with 46 points. The Warriors held off the Memphis Grizzlies 113-101, securing the Warriors' status as the eighth seed in the playoffs. Nine-point lead, and you sense Curry and the Warriors moving in for a little bit of a kill here. Steph in his bag. Deep, like the fries were at the bottom. The Warriors face the Lakers in a play-in game on Thursday. So let's grab a jumpy, shall we? We're in this together for the next hour. one 736 736 or the temper text, as I said earlier, 0433981116. What stirred you over the weekend in sport? What angered you? What excited you? What did you love? On the show this evening, we'll have the Coach's Corner, the best of the post-match press conferences from across the weekend. Who saw Luke Beveridge's press conference? Didn't that one take a humorous diversion when it came to their Ruckman Jordan suite at the Western Bulldogs? We'll play that a little bit later. We'll also present the Magoo's Report injuries. My gosh, are they raging? Now nine rounds into the season and still a big talking point in the competition. So we'll bring you up to speed on who's putting their hand up in the second-tier competitions across the VFL, the Waffle, and the Sandful. And as always, we'll also close out the show with our regular segment, What Grinds Your Gears. You know what really grinds my gears? It is your chance to get something off your chest that you've stewed on all Monday. Work and life's got in the way. Well, we'll play counsellor to whatever's grinding your gears from the weekend a little later in the show. I've got a couple, actually, that I need to part with a little bit later on. But let's start with a bit of contract news, shall we, this evening. Tom Libertore and the Western Bulldogs remain apart on the length of a new deal. Now, as we know, the fresh contract for the club captain, the Brownlow medal favourite, Marcus Bonzampelli, that's hogging the headlines. But the Libertore negotiations have hit an early hurdle. Now, Libba, for his part, he's in white-hot form for the 8-1 dogs at the moment. He's the AFL's number one ranked player for centre clearances, number one ranked player for total clearances. He also sits number two in the comp for contested ball. But at this stage... At this stage, the Western Bulldogs are only prepared to offer a one-year contract extension. Now, Libba only turned 29 on Sunday. He was made to wait until the end of 2018. You'll be, you'll remember for, to be offered a one-year deal after a second knee reconstruction. Sorry, miss all but one quarter of that season. But he started 2019 brightly. He got that two-year contract extension halfway through that year, and it's that deal which is due to expire at the end of this campaign. It must be said, it is only early in negotiations between Libba and the club. The Bulldogs want him to stay, of course, and Libba wants to stay. That name, Liberatore, synonymous with that club's history. But there is water to go under the bridge at this stage of proceedings. Now, Marcus Bontempelli, he's set to turn his back. We know that on free agency. And he will recommit to the Dogs with a lucrative new deal, expected to be announced pretty soon, I'm told. Speaking of announcements soon, a new deal for St Kilda young gun Max King. That will be formalised in the coming weeks. I understand it to be a two-year extension deal for King, whose existing contract wasn't due to expire until the end of 2022. But the Saints have moved to lock him away early. So this one would take Max King through to until 2024, by which time Max will be 24 years of age. And as we know, it's around that time the big dollars and the big contracts are earned. Number four draft pick was marking, geez, he was marking just about everything against the Cats on Friday night, wasn't he? Unfortunately, the radar was off. One goal, five. So that's 13 goals, 18 behinds on the season. A handful more missing altogether. But he is a budding star 
of the competition. He will work hard on his goal kicking this week and he'll get it right sooner rather than later, I'm sure. His brother, Ben, just while we're on the Kings, signed at the Gold Coast until 2022 as well. So there's no rush from the Suns up there pointing to Ben's happiness and form and that they will get to an extension eventually. Just before we leave contracts, the initial list of 300 nominations for the June 2nd mid-season rookie draft were released today with three notable omissions. So Jacob Edwards is a 202-centimetre ruck and highly fancied prospect who can nominate now or wait until the national draft. Tyson Stengel is the the troubled former Adelaide Crow who was cut, obviously, after a string of off-field incidents. And then there's Nathan Freeman, the number 10 pick from the 2013 draft, whose career was seemingly ruined by a never-ending run of injuries. Now, Nathan Freeman's yet to decide whether to nominate and he does have a decision to make, as I understand it. There is interest there. So he's combining work as a player manager at the moment, Connor Sports, with a VFL stint at Frankston, where it must be said he's fighting fit and he's averaged 41 disposals across a five-game stretch at the second-tier level. So he's 25 years of age still, Nathan Freeman, still a young man, a decision to make there on what he wants to do going forward. But the big issue of the day has clearly been holding the ball on Friday. You could not buy a holding the ball free kick. And by Sunday, they were flinging them around like confetti. It was so strange, wasn't it? It's hard not to have sympathy for the umpires given the mighty job they're tasked with, but it wasn't a great weekend from the whistleblowers, to be honest. And they're no different really to a club. They have good weekends and they have bad weekends. And they'll go away and rectify it, I'm sure. I'd be shocked if we didn't get a better result in round 10. It was like the way Friday was adjudicated in such a way it dominated the headlines and talkback because it was so strange. And the umpires are human. They see it. They're aware of it. It seeps into the psyche. And we get a massive, what turned out to be a massive overcorrection. Holding the ball has to be one of the most difficult rules to officiate in sport, doesn't it? It's just so wide open to interpretation And it's a bit of an annual topic, it must be said. Here's how it played out from Friday until today on holding the ball. I think we've done really well with holding the ball this year. Um, It seems to have been a consistent approach from us. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be outliers, but generally, we've been really happy with the way holding the ball is. I don't know. It's just I feel for the players. You know, to have 85 and get three holding the ball. Be interesting to have a look at how those balls got distributed too. It seemed like you know players were just dropping and throwing it, and nothing was happening. Nothing. You know, something is that one of the key parts of the frustration. You said it. I didn't say it. It must be frustrating you. Well, it it looked. I mean, to me, it looked like it. So. Yeah. Well, if that's if that's a handball, then. Jeepers. People say, oh, you've got to protect the bloke going for the ball and we want the ball in play. There is an art to tackling. That is our sport. It is a physical sport and you cannot win the game unless you have the ball. You've got to reward somebody who is willing to... I'm getting frustrated looking at this. I don't know. I'm not an umpire basher. I can safely hand on heart say that. But I went and had a look at it on the um, the Friday night game. I sat down and watched that. Confusing. And, Confusing. There are a lot of players, and this is why it's so difficult for the umpires. So there are a lot of players out there that elect to take the tackle on, knowing that they don't want to release the ball given the part of the ground they're on and when they see the numbers around them from the opposition. So the, the sweeping statements that get made as things that mu- things must have changed. Well, they didn't. 
because holding the ball was umpired one way on Friday night in a completely different way at the MCG yesterday. I'll take yesterday any day over what happened on Friday night, but it was too extreme. Well, how have you come out of the weekend regarding the umpiring? Well, I think first we're entitled to an answer. Is this the umpire's interpretation that, that swings so wildly from week to week, let alone game to game? Or is it the, the, what they're being instructed to do, the alterations, the, they're being told, hey, do this this week, hey, do that. Is it, is it from those above steering the ship a different course to what we all think's going to happen? If that's the case, let's declare. So we know where to start with this discussion. I don't think you can go the umpires on their interpretation if they're being told to do different things at different stages. So let's find out where the, where the problem is. There you go, the holding the ball debate. As I say, it feels like it goes around on the carousel and it's just swung around again in May this season. You're welcome to have your say on it, though. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 I gather your opinion would depend on what game you're at. Wasn't it polarising? Just before we get to Brendan on the road, who's uh, called through, news just in from the AFL confirming that no action will be taken towards Jordan Degoe for that contact made with his teammate in the change rooms, Isaac Quainel, before their game against the Sydney Swans. And the AFL, though, uh, gonna, I don't know if they're going to release a statement, but the statement I have anyway, the AFL reminds players to be mindful of their actions at all times. That one obviously caught front and centre on camera. You're welcome to have your say on that too. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The AFL to take no action against Jordan Degoe. Brennan, you've been patient. You're on the road and you've called in uh, with a particular player you want to talk about. Thanks for joining time on. That's all thing over, Sammy. Um... Fuzzy Pickett, I'm a very, very happy Melbourne supporter at the moment. Um, and I'll go back a few weeks initially to the Richmond game where he pointed to the scoreboard and I hated the look of that for the young bloke as much as it was great to see the scoreboard. But I think he redeemed himself in a big way yesterday when he admitted the ball was touched um, when he kicked what could have been goal of the week. Um, so I, I love the way his attitude seems to change from... The Anzac Eve game to yesterday, I think there may have been some issues that the club may have even spoken about after the way he's pointed the scoreboard. I think he redeemed himself here in a massive way yesterday. I, I love the look of the way that he just was able to, to own it. Yeah, it was touched. Um, do we still need to go to the review in that case, though? He's admitted the ball was touched. Do we still need to waste time? That's what I want to get to after that point with the review. No, good on you, Brendan. Appreciate the call. Thanks for ringing in. I love Cosy Pickett is a beauty. If I'm a Melbourne supporter, I don't have a big problem with him pointing to the scoreboard, to be honest. Knowing going back a few weeks here, wouldn't want to make a habit of it, but um, not the end of the world, I wouldn't thought. You'd rather that than a meek and mild player anyway, and he's certainly not that. He's an absolute ripper. Chris is in one Turner South. Hey, Chris, you want to talk about... Jeez, how many times have we asked this? You want to talk about holding the ball? What have you made of it? Sammy, I reckon this is laughable. He goes, you know... People are complaining now about holding the ball and, and not getting reward for for the tackle. You go back to 2016 when Bawthorn played the, the Bulldogs in that, in that final, and, and Clargo was the one that, that brought all this, this issues up. Yep, that's right. And now it's come it's come to the fore again. 
Well, no. well, no, actually, Clarko's complaint around this time last year, funnily enough, was very similar to Brett Ratton's. It was about not being, not having the tackler rewarded. And then right off the back of that, the AFL said it was coincidental, but of course, most of us don't necessarily agree with that. We had the massive overreaction. So the last time a coach came out like Brett Ratton did at the weekend, it was Alistair Clarkson and we saw a massive overreaction. This time, we saw it within the same weekend, Chris. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is in 2016, Clarko said, you know, Hawthorne laid, what, about 120-odd tackles. In the final, yeah. Three, yeah. In, in the final, got about three or four free kicks out of it. That's true. And so, you know, so it's all come to the fore again. Yeah, yeah. And he, he said the same thing last year, Chris, too, it must be said. It's it's a bit of a – it's an ongoing bugbear for Alistair Clarkson. And now Brett Ratton's joining. Appreciate your call, Chris. Mark's in West Meadows. How you going, Mark? Uh, going well, mate. How are you? Going well. Um, the holding the ball thing, mate. Um, I'm an older bloke, so I'm 58. Um, back in the day, and the way the rule was originally written, if you got tackled with a ball, you're supposed to get rid of it legally by hand or by foot. That was as simple as that, right? Yeah. Yep. And then, then, then they brought in uh, prior opportunity, which I get. I get that. That's not a problem. But what we see these days is, you know, people talk about it. It got knocked out in the tackle. When was that ever a thing? Mm. Um, it's dropping the ball, mate. It was always dropping the ball as long as Adam was a pup. So, you know, it's basically just go back to the way the rules were originally written. If you get caught with it, you've got to handball it or kick it. Otherwise, you're gone. Simple as that. Good call. They make it too complicated. Good call, Mark. Appreciate it. We've got just enough time to get to Dom in Burwood on the exact same topic. How you doing there, Dom? Yeah, good. couple of points. I think that guy then is wrong because the, the tackle pressure is a thousand times greater than it used to be. Yep. But just a quick one. The AFL, don't the umpires send out a video to all the clubs at the start of the year on interpretation of these sort of rules? It'd be interesting if you guys are able to have a look at it now and see if what they send out is what they're doing or has it changed? Yeah, good question, Dom. I can't answer it here and now, but um, no, you make it. You make a good point. Um, it is hard to know. It's a chicken or the egg. I think David King raised the exact same question uh, earlier on today, this morning, uh, with Jared Waitley as well. So appreciate your call, Dom. It'll even itself out. This is a topic that will get raised uh, over and over again in the years to come. Uh, it has been in the past. It will be again. Uh, question off the text here. What is... Tom Lynch's goals and behinds for the year, please. After we raise uh, Max Kings, 13-18. Tom Lynch is going at 15 goals, 19 behinds, without knowing what shots have missed altogether. So I know that Max Kings, I think, missed five altogether. So effectively 13-23 on the season. Before we break, there was one other thing I wanted to quickly raise. Saturday night, Richmond and GWS, the lowest crowd at a Richmond home game since 2004. It was 18798 watching that dramatic win over GWS. What a game it was. Two injury hit teams. The Tigers found a way. They were down by 28 points in the third quarter. But Richmond supporters, as Lara Bingle famously said, So where the bloody hell are you? You're one of several MCG tenant clubs who were forced to play select fixtures at the league-owned Docklands venue each season because of long-standing AFL contracts. And if you go back historically and have a look at Richmond's attendances at Docklands, they are nowhere near as low as 18,800-odd. So perhaps it points to something a little bit bigger. Maybe our viewing habits have changed. We know how difficult it has been for some people to get the tickets they are familiar with over time. But if you barrack for the Tigers and you didn't go on Saturday night, why didn't you go? If it was at the MCG around the corner, would you have gone? And why would you have gone? 
1-300-736-736. We'll play Damien Harwick a little bit later on in the show if you missed that. That post-match really strong on his dislike of Marvel Stadium, the Richmond coach. The temper text number 0433981116. We'll be back with plenty more on Time On right after this. And your home of sport, Time On. They don't come. So if you want big crowds, play our home games at the G. Pretty simple solution for mine. Mate, I hate coming here. Probably shouldn't say that, but... Why, why is that? Hey? Why is that? Well, the MCG has got soul. It's got Richmond people there. Our people don't come here. Plain and simple. I hate coming here. I probably shouldn't say that. The Richmond coach, Damien Hardwick. Uh, Richmond supporters, defend yourself for your non-attendance. No, don't defend yourself. Just tell me why you go to the MCG and not Marvel for one home game a year. Matt's in Mickleham. How you doing there, Matt? G'day, mate. How you going? Going well. Um... Just a couple of things on that. So uh, my brother's a general mission member, um, and when he went to go try to get tickets, um, they were exhausted. And I'm a reserve seat member with uh, Richmond as well, and we got put up in level three right at the top um, for our reserve seat. And to upgrade, and there was four of us, to upgrade is about $140 just to get to level one. Um, and on top of that, um, the parking's like 35 bucks to park there where it's only 10 bucks at the G. So mm-hmm. um, that's a couple of the problems at the minute. couple of good notes from you, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, John's in Greenvale. John, your thoughts about the Tigers at Marvel? Yeah, just like Matt, um, I'm an AFL member with the Richmond support and I forgot to get tickets on Tuesday, so I tried Wednesday and um, it was exhausted. I had to sit in row Z in level three. I love level one, MCG. I love the feeling down there. Um, and it was $49 a, a ticket for me to get a reserve ticket on level one. So that's the reason why I don't go. I'll go occasionally, but I, I hate trying to get tickets there. Uh, no worries, John. Gee, it must be said, though, you did miss a good game. It would have been incredible to be there. Nez is in Noble Park. Neza. Hey, how you going there? Um, look, I'm ringing up not as a Richmond supporter, but as a St Kilda supporter, and I've been to every game at Marvel that we've played at this year, and I've also gone to games in the last six months, like um, the Boxing Day test at the MCG and um, Roosters versus the Storm at Amy Park, Um, and it is a lot easier to get tickets through Ticketek, which is MCG and um, Amy Park. With um, Ticketmaster, we get our tickets every week, but they usually, you know, there's not a lot of flexibility. Whereas with Ticketek, you can get, you know, go and choose the actual seats you want and that type of thing. And um, yeah, I think that's what's turning a lot of people off, not just Richmond supporters. I think it's, you know, footy people in general. Oh, good on you, Nez. Appreciate the call tonight. Off the text, Marvel lacks soul plus lack of ability to plan ahead with schedule. Too many night games for Tigers, and I'm an MCC member. So many reasons. That one is from Karen. I didn't mind this one, though. Different view of it all. Tigers are still number one for attendance, but fellow Tigers, if we really want no more Marvel games, let's all turn up and have a lockout at the next one. Only then do we have an argument the AFL will take any notice of. We have the numbers to do it, so it's on us. 18,000 simply won't cut it. Hashtag go Tigers. A lot of your reasons coming through about not wanting to go. I would have thought for one game, just on the other side of town, you get there and support your club. And what a heck of a game it was too. Off the text, simple. No one catches public transport at the moment. It's too hard and expensive to park in Docklands. Plus, 
Loads of members are reserve seat holders at the MCG. I can understand that. Not at Marvel, so more expense that we're not prepared to wear. Just to give you an indication on attending games, I'm a Bombers supporter, 20-year member, and wanted to take the family to the game, but had to upgrade my ticket, even as a member, and will cost the three of us 90 bucks plus. But we had an option to go to the Melbourne City soccer game for $10 total. Great seats to watch one of the best goals of the season. It's a no-brainer. So footy losing out to another sport altogether there off the text. Um, Keep your thoughts coming through on that as well. They're coming through on a whole range of different topics here. A lot of you still having your say on holding the ball as well. There's this one. I enjoy the grey area involved in holding the ball. Adds to the theatre. Which way will it go? Until I've uh, umpired an AFL game, I'm not too bothered by it. That one is from Mortimer in Cranbourne North. And this one, what about the Frio mark in the last two minutes that may have changed the result? That's Cole in Hawthorne, another topic altogether. It was Rory Lobb from memory, I think, Cole. Jeez, it was a genuine 50-50, wasn't it? Did he hold it for long enough? I thought he was... I thought he was stiff, it must be said. And I think that came, yeah, with, with just inside two minutes to go. Good question from you, Cole. They might have got away with one there, the Bombers. Holding the ball is the biggest blight in the game. Fix that instead of gimmicky rule changes to, quote, open up the game, end quote, which don't even increase scoring. In some cases, it has led to lower scoring. On the ball! Way too many unwarranted free kicks in our game, Sam. For example, every spoiling attempt seems to be an arm chop, plus 50-metre penalties for, well, I won't, uh, uh, encroaching into the protected area is getting more ridiculous by the week. You can have your say on that right throughout uh, the rest of the show up until we hand over to Sammy Hargraves at 7 o'clock. Before we get to our break, I wanted to get your thoughts on the strangest thing you've seen someone bring to the footy to eat. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, And I'll raise this because a Port Adelaide supporter has been seen with a wheat bix box at the footy. And when I say wheat bix box, full of wheat bix with no milk in sight. What is going on out over there in Adelaide? A wheat he's actually eating wheat bix dry. That cannot be easy. No milk. It reminded us of the other end of the spectrum. Remember a few years ago the Melbourne supporter with the charcuterie board at the Demons game? The cheese, the baguettes, the sun-dried tomatoes. What's the strangest thing you've seen someone bring to the footy? I've seen some strange things get pulled out of a thermos over the over the journey. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll lighten the mood a little bit. The temper text 0433981116. Now, Benny, my producer here, did a bit of forensic research to find the weirdest things you could get grub-wise across the world of sport. You can get, you know, you can get alligator skewers if you go to watch Muay Thai in Bangkok. Apple pie nachos, does that tickle your fancy? Can't get my head around apple pie nachos. Nevertheless, they're at Coors Field if you want to watch the Colorado Rockies over there in the US. And what about this one at Seattle Mariners games in the uh, Major League? Toasted grasshoppers. Does that tickle your fancy? What's the wildest thing you've seen a punter consume at a sporting event? It can be overseas too. doesn't have to be in our country. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The temper text 433 I want to talk about the Mackay Wars as well. Ben and Harry, they're not facing off for a while, but they've exchanged some verbal barbs over the years. The most recent one of those coming today with uh, Benny Mackay on SEM Breakfast with Gary and Tim. So we'll talk about that. We've got the Coach's Corner still to come. We've got the Magoo's Report, and I've already cited a few of your 
grinding my gears nominations. Keep them coming through as well. What's bugged you out of the weekend of sport? Get it off your chest. You know what really grinds my gears? Indeed. Get it off your chest a little bit later on. 0433981116. I'll stockpile those. We'll be back after this. A Port Adelaide supporter has been sighted watching the football with Weepix Sands Milk straight out of the box, if you don't mind. That is weird. I'm not sure if it's weird and wonderful. I think it's just weird. So... We thought we'd ask you, what is the strangest, weirdest, most bizarre things you've seen people consume at the football? Fiona's in Myrna. She's been good enough to ring in. How are you doing, Fee? Hey, how you going? Good, thanks. Uh, the old fellow next to me, we had reserve seats. He used to pull out his hot dogs in a the thermos every week. Oh, geez, I can't. That's difficult to watch. Yeah, they were pretty swollen, started to split. They'd been in there for a while. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough. Thanks, Fiona. That visual is enough for me. Uh, Michael's in Altona. Mick, what have you seen at the footy? Yeah, actually, going off what, what Fiona just said, um, I was with my uncle at the Anzac Day game, and he pulled out the, um, the, he pulled out the hot dogs in the thermos, but with some bacon and oh. cheese, mustard, sauce, and, and he even got a compliment from Mel Michael, who was sitting next to him. Oh, no. Where did the cheese and the bacon and everything else come from? Oh, he had them in containers, but, but geez, it was organisation. That's <laughs> next level, isn't it? Thank you, Mick. Good boy. Thanks for ringing in. That was funny, that charcuterie board. That wasn't only half the story in the end. The man ended up um, doing the media rounds, if you like, and said he had some smoked trout in his bag, but he was too scared to bring out to uh, to put on the board for fear of it just stinking up the joint. Uh, Dean is texting, food service at a soccer match in Chonburi province. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Nevertheless, in Thailand, a bag of bugs, crickets and roaches, grasshoppers, washed down with coconut juice. Mm-mm-mm. Sounds absolutely delightful. Uh, this isn't so weird. It's definitely wonderful. Clam chowder, San Francisco Giants game, the best. I'd agree with that. They do not do it better anywhere else than they do in San Francisco. Keep your nominations coming through on uh, the weird and wonderful things you've seen people eat at the footy because some news has just dropped from the GWS Giants. Their star young midfielder, Tom Green, has been awarded his second NAB AFL Rising Star nomination. He was really good against Richmond, wasn't he? Saturday night, Marvel Stadium. He had 24 touches, four tackles and a goal. He was influential early in that four-point loss. So he's now played eight games this season. He's averaging a tick over 20 touches a game, three tackles and four clearances. He's certainly been one of Leon Cameron's most consistent midfielders. Uh, Andrew has rung through on the road. Andrew, what have you seen people eat at the footy that's just been a little bit bizarre? Mate, it's not bizarre. I used to do it. I used to put cooked dim sims at home, put them in a thermos for me and my son, put some uh, soya sauce, perfect. You get eight in a good thermos, and um, guess what? Your son ate um, all six, and I ate two. <laughs> dim sims in the thermos. That's a, that's that's yeah. discipline. That's good thermos usage, uh, Andrew. Uh, good on you. Thanks for calling in. Brendan's uh, up in Horsham. How you doing, Brendan? Good, mate. Yourself? Love this time. Hey, I'm just just wondering also what was in the biscuits that that boy was eating out of the wheat bix. There could have been something baked into them, but also I was at the MCG one day and a guy opened his thermos. Not only did the hot dogs come out, he then had tomato soup as well. So they were cooking in the tomato soup. Oh, <laughs> no way. He's wheeled the whole kitchen in, Brendan. I appreciate the call. Um, 
Let's talk about the Mackay Wars, but uh, you're welcome to have your say on anything else you've seen uh, weird and wonderful uh, food-wise, culinary-wise at the footy before we hand over to Sammy Hargraves at 7 o'clock. Back to the Mackay boys are both out of contract. Both are in excellent form. Harry leads the Coleman. Ben's taking some big scalps down back for the Kangaroos. Now, Ben Mackay was on SEM Breakfast this morning. If you didn't uh, hear it the first thing this morning, just have a listen to this, a little clip for his brother Harry. Will you play against Harry when you play against Carlton? I know we play the uh, best defender, uh, best forward. Sorry. Um, <laughs> God, so I probably won. Probably Levi, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how we go. So a little clip there from Ben to Harry, but this isn't the first time words have been exchanged. We set our resident historian here at SEN to work, Joel Brooks, sent him into the SEN library, and he came out with this from 2019. This was Harry Mackay speaking of Ben on the same show, SEN Breakfast with Gary and Tim. You and Ben played on each other this weekend. Ben plays as the defender, you play as the forward. How many would you kick on him, conservatively, <laughs> Harry? Oh. Maybe three or four, then reset at half time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the sibling rivalry. They don't meet, unfortunately, I think until round 19, but I can't wait for it. Harry Mackay, Ben Mackay. It's going to be a mouth-watering matchup when it takes place, Carlton and North Melbourne. The coach's corner, oh, I think these are often the best press conferences from the weekend and often underplayed. We'll flick our way through these if you miss them. Melbourne, the only undefeated side in the competition, flying along at nine and zip. Let's uh, touch base with Simon Goodwin. We rock up and we get the game looking the way we want it most weeks and sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others, but um, you know, like today, but we got there in the end and we kept them to a pretty low score. It's a brilliant platform um, you know, that we've clearly laid and um, you know, I think it's just great for the work that the people have put in um, and the reward for our players and the buy into what they're trying to where they're trying to get their game to. And I think it's also magnificent for our supporters. You know, I continue to rock up here at the MCG and see them so excited with how their team play and they look the same way. They're competitive, they're tough, they defend and they get excited by the actions that we as coaches get excited by. It was billed as the game of the weekend. It certainly didn't disappoint Port Adelaide going down to the Western Bulldogs. What a game that was on Saturday night over at the Adelaide Oval. Now, Luke Beveridge spoke about all sorts of things, what, what it will do for the group confidence-wise and how good it was. Newt performed well, but it was this little story on Jordan Sweet. Jeez, he went way off topic here, Luke Beveridge. It was so good, I just had to play it for you. He retold this story on Jordan Sweet. It's a funny story about um, Sweetie. I, uh, when, I, uh, when we were boarding the plane in Melbourne, I uh, I'd scanned my boarding pass in, and and next to me was the the other um, the other computer and, and scanning mechanism, and there was a young lady there. And as I turned, Big Jordan was just about to scan his boarding pass, and I said, "G'day, sweetie," because I hadn't seen him. "G'day, sweetie," and the young lady thought I was talking to her. Um, so it took me a little while to recover from that, but um, there you go. There's is. There's something you can uh, put in the useless bits of information, but uh, I thought it was pretty funny at the time. Luke, Luke Beveridge there, Western Bulldogs coach, uh, getting himself into some hot water at the airport. What about David Noble? They finally broke through North Melbourne against the Hawks down in Launceston. His first win as a senior coach on he, the day of his 54th birthday. He was delighted for the North Melbourne members and supporters. Yeah, really pleased um, for a, a range, I think, of our people, you know, members particularly and our fans. They've been hanging in there with us for a, for a few weeks now as we've, you know, progressively got better. I'm, I'm really encouraged for our, our players to get that sense and that, that nourishment of what, 
that win feels like, particularly that three, four, five minutes afterwards. And you know, our staff have worked extremely hard over the last six months. So um, yeah, that that's the direction that we want to go, and that's that's certainly a, a great reward, I think, for a for a group for a short period of time. And then we've got to get back to work on Monday. That was David Noble there after the big win over Hawthorne. David Teague, well, he addressed his midweek press conference concerning Patrick Cripps there and uh, not full transparency, I think it would be fair to say, from Teague midweek, but he was offering all that and more after the game against Melbourne at the weekend. I assessed his game better than the way I handled the media conference the other day. That was pretty average by me. I thought the injury was in the past. Like it, He hampered him in rounds two and three, so when it got brought up, I was probably a bit frustrated and uh, I probably wasn't uh, as honest and uh, direct as I, I probably could have been. Um, at the end of the day, what the message I wanted to get across was he's, he's fine now and, um, yeah, I probably uh, could have been clearer with the, the messaging around that. I thought it was probably one of my worst uh, press conferences. Who saw the Essendon-Fremantle game? I know we talked about Rory Lobb earlier and the mark perhaps that, that wasn't. Number of contentious decisions in that game. Number of contentious moments if you're Ben Rutten concerning your star midfielder, Zach Merritt, who came under the close attention of Caleb Sarong, who played the hard tag on him. And Ben Rutten not happy at all with the off-the-ball treatment on his star midfielder. Yeah, it's good to see the free kicks getting paid. I mean, it's, I think it's a great look for our game, you know, the off-ball stuff. I think we need to let our good players play the game and you know compete really hard when the ball's around. But um, yeah, it's dangerous as well you know, when players aren't expecting to get hit. Dangerous in the eyes of the Essendon coach. Not all of you agreeing with that. I'm not sure if there's anything untoward in particular. Hey, a quick bit of uh, the Magoos report here, an abbreviated version tonight, the second-tier competition. Uh, Cam Ellis-Yolman at Brisbane. He starred 39 disposals, seven tackles, his first VFL game for the year. So that came in a big 10-goal win over the Gold Coast. Now, the Blues had the bye, but Brody Kemp will play his first game in nearly two years in the VFL next. He's picked 17, the 2019 draft. He had an ACL in his draft year, so he's slow to get going. And then he did his syndesmosis back in January this year. So the Blues got big raps on the midfielder Brody Kemp, so he'll finally play. Finlay McRae at the Pies, 20 touches and five goals. Collingwood's 33-point loss to Sydney. At Essendon, Patrick Ambrose, it is said, won't be far off senior selection. He was really good at the weekend as well, along with Ruckman Nick Bryan. And Gold Coast had uh, Braden Fiorini playing a new role off halfback. He had a team high 32 touches, kicked one goal, one two in their 10-goal loss to Brisbane on Thursday night. And the Hawks, Daniel Howe, really impressive in the twos, 35 touches, two goals in a big route there in that particular game over North Melbourne. Josh Morris kicked five goals playing forward. Emerson Jacker kicked three. And perhaps most pleasing, though, was experienced ruckman Johnny Segler making his return from an ankle injury. He had 13 touches, 20 hitouts, and two goals. Bailey Scott put his hand up for recall at North Melbourne. Callum Coleman-Jones just can't get a game at Richmond. He kicked five goals, one from 19 touches and 16 hitouts. Big performance from the Tigers in the 97-point win over GWS. Josh Caddy, another good game from him. 32 touches, seven tackles, two goals. At the Saints, Luke Dunstan, he's continued his strong VFL form. He had 36 touches, 10 marks and a pair of goals in Sandringham's nine-point win over Williamstown on Saturday. And finally, at the Swans, midfielder Ryan Clark had a day out against Collingwood on Saturday. He kicked three goals, two, and had 40 touches in a 33-point win over Collingwood. So that is a abbreviated Magoo's report there from your clubs. But we want to know 
What is grinding your gears? one 736 736 Jump on the line now or the temper text 0433981116. You want to have a whinge? You want to have a gripe? You can do that right after this. We'll provide you with the platform to do exactly that. Back after this break. You know what really grinds my gears? No! God, please, no! No! I just think somebody owes us an explanation, that's all. Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Yes, it is. It's time for What is Grinding Your Gears. I don't mind this part of the show. You're welcome to take part. one 736 Let's open the batting at an airport west where we find Brent. All right, Brent, what's grinding your gears, mate? Um, yeah, mate, at the minute, what's uh, what's grinding my gears is the uh, the changing mantra for the uh, the umpires and, and what they've been asked to do when they're the end zone umpire in the forward 50. They've actually been asked to watch the game as it sits in the midfield to find scragging, tackling and holding off the ball instead of doing what they should have been. Right. Okay, Brent, we'll let that go right there, but uh, we'll move on. Kyle's in Ringwood. Kyle, I've just got the word hot dogs written next to your name. I'm not sure if hot dogs are grinding your gears or we've got a separate issue entirely. What's happening? No, you're talking about the hot dogs in thermoses, mate. Oh, yes. Far away. You've had an ugly sighting? Uh, oh, mate, I've got an uncle who's tight as a fishes, and he is uh, known to cook his hot dogs in a kettle in the hotel room before the footy. <laughs> in the hotel room? Bit of prep. Yeah. He'll do the prep for the kids. Too tight to buy food, and he'll cook them up in the kettle in the in the hotel room before the footy. Well, I'm with him on the price of food. Absolutely disgraceful, some of the uh, some of the prices that uh, that are in front of us as punters at the footy. So I've got sympathy for him there, but that's next level. Uh, cooking them in uh, the kettle, getting him in the, the thermos to bring across. Good on you, Cole. Appreciate your call. Uh, Dave, Melton, what's grinding your gears? Good day, mate. What's grinding my gears is people don't understand, especially at the AFL and the umpires, that the holding the ball rule, and the incorrect disposal rule or dropping the ball like we used to call it are the two most important rules in our game because it keeps the ball in flight. The prior opportunity rule stalls the game, causes causes stoppages. That's why those two rules are so important to our game. Keeps the ball flying, keeps the ball moving, keeps the game moving. Uh I don't know why anyone can understand that. Good on you, Dave. Thanks for the call. We'll move to Joe in Point Cook. Joe, what's on your mind? Um, just the way Jim is at press conference the other night, I just feel that the Tigers are very... They've become arrogant premiers. You look at the Brisbane dynasty, very humble premiers. You look at Geelong, humble. Yes, the Hawks were unsociable on the field, but off the field, they were very humble and approachable. I just feel... Richmond are just trying to create this arrogant feel about it, and that's why everyone wants them to fail real quick smart because, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't look good for the game. Yeah. They think it does, but actually it doesn't. Are you referring to Damien Harbick's press conference as perhaps the most recent example? Yeah, last year with the last year with the hub, and they didn't, they didn't seem to care. They just think they're bigger than the AFL, and it's just like show a bit of respect and eat some humble pie and just... Chillax, yeah, you're a great side, no doubt about it, but be humble about it. There's young kids watching out there, and we don't need that arrogance out there on the field or off the field especially. Thanks for the call, Joe. Off the text, 
This is what grinding someone's gears. Con man Kenny Hinckley wouldn't tag the bont in the first quarter when he got off the chain with 12 disposals and a goal. Grinds my gears. Not enough respect for the Ds. 9-0, baby. Get around us, Sammy. Good on you, Brad. Enjoy it while you can. What a run you are on. I'll tell you what's grinding my gears. Players slipping over on Friday night was doing my absolute head in. I'm not one to normally tweet on a weekend watching the footy I was compelled to. It was frustrating me no end. I had no vested interest in either team. Now, Tom McDonald replied, he of the Melbourne forward variety, and said that the AFL probably shouldn't have banned long stops over one incident. Now, that incident he was referring to was probably a pretty nasty one, to be honest, and a freakish one involving Isaac Quainer at the Gabba last year. The rule is no metal off the back of that, but McDonald suggested that the bladed shape of the plastic mould was more dangerous than the rounded steel caps anyway. And he went on to say he was actually getting some custom made and it's actually quite hard to get legitimate footy boots that you can be happy with and provide the appropriate grip incredibly in this country. So players slipping over at Marvel Stadium. That is a well-worn topic as any, but that was doing my block and certainly grinding my gears from the You know what really grinds my gears? Sam, I'll tell you what grinds my gears. The Carlton decided to kick the ball high and long to May and Lever. Hats off to Harry for competing the way he did. Good on you, Aaron. Appreciate your text. And thanks for all your texts and calls tonight on Time on Mondays. I'm Sam Edmund. Been a bit of fun tonight. Up next, though, man who's going to take you through the next uh, few hours is Sammy Hargrove. So don't go anywhere. He's got a full book lined up. And we'll be back 6 o'clock next Monday. Boomer Harvey, North Melbourne champion, games record holder, is going to join Sammy Hargrove at 9 o'clock tonight. So make sure you catch that. We'll be back here, though, as I said. Time on next Monday, 6 o'clock. All the big issues and the big stories to dissect this time in a week's time. Until then, have a great week. We'll see you back here next Monday. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.